Welcome to the Digital Therapeutics Edition of Digital Health Today, and I'm your host, Eugene Borohovich. In the last episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Eddie Martucci, CEO and founder of Akili Interactive. Akili is a creator of Endeavor RX, which is the first and only prescription treatment delivered through a video game. Imagine that. Today, I continue my journey with yet another early trailblazer, David Klein, CEO and founder of Click Therapeutics. But before we dive in, I first met David at Frontiers Health Conference a few years back. He struck me as cool and composed with a clear vision. And now we jump to my conversation with David. As you now know, David, I wanted the listeners to get into the head of some of the trailblazers in this industry. So why don't you first tell us a little bit of your background of yourself, introduce yourself, and how did you even come to starting Click Therapeutics back in the day? Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Eugene. And thanks for having me here. My name is David Klein, co-founder and CEO of Click Therapeutics. And, you know, really my background was in more biotech. So I was working in the kind of merchant banking type environment for a hedge fund where we go really kind of form our own companies. We've in-licensed compounds from all around the world and then form little biotech companies around that. And this was, you know, back in 2012, I'd say I saw a pretty significant and, you know, I'd say dramatic increase in mobile phone uptake and, and generally mobile phone usage. And I really saw that the phone was changing people's behavior. So, you know, you would look all around the subways in New York and on the streets and all of a sudden this mobile phone was very clearly changing people's behavior. And at the same time, I was working with a fellow who at the time was the head of clinical neuropsychiatry at Cornell. And at the same time, we saw a very significant retreat from pharma uh, out of the CNS space, which you know I think, mm-hmm. as we all know, is a tough one, notoriously difficult. Yeah, space to operate in the the endpoints can be largely, uh, let's say, subjective. Right? It's not like shrinking a tumor in oncology. And we kind of put two and two together. We we thought, well, if we could create mobile software that targets specific diseases and behavior and cognitive change to drive clinical and ultimately economic outcomes in those diseases, we could create treatments essentially that were as important, if not more important than pharmacotherapies. So an idea was born. We we created and, and coined a term called digital therapeutics in 2012. Right. And I think you guys even trademarked it, right? We tried for years to uh, trademark, never successfully, although we're, we did get it on, the, I think, what's called a supplemental registrar. But, you know, at the time we weren't financed, I was basically financing the company with my own money. So we did try to trademark it for a long time. It was later used in, in 2014, starting publicly by Omada. So a couple of years later, and they're the ones who really, I, I'd say, popularized that term. Yep. But the important thing is the thesis, right, of driving clinical outcomes using software. And that's what we were intending to do. And in 2012, founded a company, Click Therapeutics, really based on that sole premise that we would create almost like a biotech-like company, but our molecules, if you will, will be digital. And the active ingredients will be screens and and actions and behaviors. Exactly. And if I'm not mistaken, you started with smoking cessation? 
Yeah. So our original idea was that we would start with smoking cessation. Again, it was, you know, relatively low hanging fruit. The U.S. clinical practice guidelines in the space can be largely digitized. We knew that text messaging, for example, was an effective method of helping people to quit smoking. And it really seemed like a logical place to start. Again, we didn't we didn't have, you know, a 10 year plan. And, you know, Clickatine was born really at the same time that Click was born. And, you know, you mentioned, obviously, I guess yourself and other founders were investing for a while. And I, I think for the listeners, it'd be interesting, right? Because as you started this in 2012, up until your sort of larger Series A, what was that DTX, I'll call it selling and channel traction that you've gathered in those, I believe, you know, five or six years to get to that Series A? What was the outcomes and the endpoints that you gathered? So what did we do, Eugene, to kind of ramp for a Series A? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a long road. We didn't take our first round of outside capital until really the you know very beginning of 2015. So that was when we essentially became a real company, right? We were mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of co-founders kind of operating more as a virtual company until really right, you know, right in the beginning of 2015. From there, after we took our first round of outside capital, which was much more of seed like seed capital, we then, you know, went full time, hired in-house engineering team and so on and so forth, and really worked to develop an evidence base and a commercial story for Clickatine and to continually develop the product. So if you fast forward a bit, we partnered with a company called Magellan Health uh, later that year and agreed to you know, pilot Clickatine and then subsequently launch it. And at the same time, really ramped for a you know, pretty significant size clinical trial that we ran in 2016. So you know, I think that it was really a combination of clinical evidence and commercial traction that really took us into our Series A, which was a few years later. We didn't raise a Series A until 2006, uh, 2018, I should say. Right, right. So let's jump either to 2012 when you were starting or around where you were gearing up for that Series A round with some of that traction. Aside from the patient outcomes, which is the key to all of this, what was the initial business hypothesis? And to a certain extent, if you can tell us a little bit about the journey of even the pricing models that you've explored over time. Sure. So, you know, our approach to pricing has really been based on the goal of lowering overall cost of care by a meaningful amount, right? So, you know, it's actually based on a pretty simple thesis that we would lower the cost of overall care while improving outcomes and derive revenue from kind of call it value-based type Mm -hmm. contracts for our marketed products like Clickatine, where there's a focus really on, call it the savings that we can drive for payers. So in, in smoking cessation, the direct savings are actually pretty clearly visible and specific pricing in that area becomes less of an issue. So, you know, if you take, I can give you one example, but in a, in a recent deal we just did with a large national payer, we're getting, you know, call it up to in the, you know, nearly a thousand dollars per script per user. And while that, 
you know, might not appear kind of inexpensive at face value. It's really, you know, that that payer is saving 20, 30, maybe even more percent uh, on their overall cost of care. Right. Yep. So, you know, if we can drive a, a visibly superior outcome like this, the ROI is, you know, potentially three to five acts and the and the value is actually pretty clear. So our thesis is around pricing is is actually it's a it's a complex environment out there. And obviously we have a very complex healthcare system, but ultimately it really comes down to lowering the overall cost of care by a meaningful amount and deriving revenue out of those savings. You mentioned, obviously, the end consumers and the patients. And, you know, for our listeners, I've been trying to demystify what is the actual experience of that consumer or patient with your product set. And I know you've been obviously expanding as well. So feel free to, you know, pick one or talk about, you know, from the time that I either get a script or an OTC. So can it just get a, take us through the flow a little bit and what is that experience on your product? Yeah, no, thanks for asking that. I mean, I think, look, that is a really core focus of our whole company. Albeit we were founded on a kind of more biotech-like model. We have really gravitated towards balancing neuroscience with really engagement science and user experience. And so to your point, yeah, we, we have different products, but they all sit on a common platform. So not only does that platform share a variety of different technical uh, elements and, um, and a different application um, uh, uh, side aspects as well, but we reuse and use many of the same modalities for different products. But at its simplest, um, I, I guess the simplest way to describe how our programs work is um, they are very, very easy to use. So our programs all work in the same way where the patient has a what we call mission to do for that day. So every day, whether you're in uh, our cardio program or a smoking program or insomnia program, Eugene, let's say, has a mission to do that day. And you know, where programs differ is that that mission can be you know, pretty different, obviously, from cardio to insomnia. Yep. Um, really, our core competency as a company is in getting Eugene to do his mission today, right? That's, that's what we're good at. We are, we are good at engaging the patient and creating this therapeutic alliance with our programs uh, that really works to get people to do things. So it, it's actually, although complex on the back end, it's actually very, very simple for the patient. You bring up an interesting point, right? So users and consumers interacting with technology. Where do you see doctors, nurses, and even probably more interesting health coaches to help these users reach their goals versus just pure technology? Because, I mean, you come from kind of biotech world as well. You know, the concept of adherence has been in compliance. Um, so can you talk a little bit about, A, the human labor and the human knowledge surrounding your products and where the need is? Yeah, so we really are very focused on integrating within the current healthcare system. So when we 
first started Click and, and really have a very kind of patient and provider focused company and a very mobile first structure where we knew that getting a patient to change their behavior is already a significant uphill battle. So what we didn't want to do is to create things that would require very significant physician behavior change or, you know, heaven forbid, cross what I regard as a red line. And, And that's really in creating things that physicians are not, let's say, compensated to use, right? I mean, just like any other profession, they need to make a living and have a business model as well. So our programs really are designed to integrate with the current care paradigm and patients receive prescriptions and, you know, in terms of access, insurance coverage to our digital therapeutics, just like they would a drug. So it's very similar. Obviously, there's opportunities for even greater efficiencies, especially now in the kind of time of COVID through telemedicine scripts and the ability to create a really fully integrated virtual care pathway certainly does exist. So nurses, coaches, physicians are all part of that care pathway and absolutely essential to driving outcomes. The digital therapeutic component of that is really in our view, the primary active ingredient that is prescribed and drives outcomes in and of itself, but it simply wouldn't be possible without those professionals surrounding it, endorsing it, supporting it, prescribing it. So that's really our view is that we're not replacing any of those folks. We're giving them a tool to treat patients in a more effective and efficient way and, and actually potentially streamline their own practices. Let's build a little bit on that because part of that is, you know, if you think about pure technology as a prescription digital therapeutic, and what I would just say over the last decade or so, the disease management 2.0 companies, and I'll bucket like a Livongo in there, the lines are starting to blur, right? Because the technology is part of the experience and the experience is part of the technology and the knowledge of humans surrounding it. Where's your head on PDTs, prescription digital therapeutics and disease management 2.0? And where do you see that going? Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I, I actually believe that the two should and will be working hand in hand. So around our prescription digital therapeutics, in order for them to be as effective as possible, they really should be as within part of an overall disease management program. So I actually view the two as entirely complementary. And when people have serious diseases, right, if you just had a heart attack or have high blood pressure or insomnia or severe depression, whatever that might be, really a patient should be going to their physician. So developing and seeking regulatory clearance for our programs as treatments is an absolutely essential part of the development and proof that they're safe and efficacious and driving a certain level of comfort in all patients, providers, and payers that this is a safe and effective treatment is absolutely necessary. But to that end, the disease management aspect really is, in my view, more holistic. And our digital therapeutics will be and are more effective 
when integrated into entire kind of call it disease management 2.0 type approach to treating that patient. And that's something that we're developing also in-house here as well. But ultimately the two are different, right? So yep. the actual treat is prescribed by a physician. And we think that that's an absolutely necessary part of the process. And, and that's the area that we're most focused on and how we're looking to really change the world of medicine is by developing and commercializing software that can and will be prescribed by physicians in mass. And that really addresses this very significant unmet need that is core to clicks vision. But I view the two as entirely complementary. Yeah, and we won't even get into the melding points between virtual care and primary health and primary care. So let, let's, you know, you mentioned something earlier around that user experience, right? And we touched on it and we keep touching on this throughout this discussion. Are DTX companies like yourself will quote unquote swallow the pill and, and the molecule will become part of that experience? And I realize, you know, some of you investors are pharma companies and, you know, you have a number of large deals with pharmaceutical companies, or do you see the pharma companies embedding digital therapeutics and PDTs as add-on, or it's a spectrum? Again, there's no, probably not one size fits all, but I'm just curious where your head is on this. DTX swallows the pill or the pharma company swallows the DTX? Sure. I don't think it's going to be necessarily one or the other. I think that the two will be integrated. And at some point, it'll simply be medicine. I mean, right now, because the field is so new, it is distinct and so on. But if you look at areas like biologics, right, when they first kind of came on the scene, they were differentiated as large molecules and so on and so forth. But ultimately, if you fast forward to today, I mean, there's not a tremendous difference, at least from a patient and prescriber perspective, whether they're prescribing a small or large molecule. So I think, you know, right now it's different. I don't think one will swallow the other, at least for a long time. I think it'll be interesting to see how the big tech companies also play in this space. Yep. So I don't think that that future is written in stone yet, Eugene, but certainly these do fit, you know, very nicely into the bag, as they say, in kind of pharma world. So and that's what makes this whole sub industry so exciting, right? Yeah. Well, that sound means it's time for a question from my journalistic partner on this podcast, Brian Dolan, who is the founder of Exits and Outcomes, and as I like to call him, the digital health detective. Let's see what question Brian has for our guest today. Okay, here's my question. So one tack that I've seen a few prescription digital therapeutics companies use is to license or acquire digital interventions that have already demonstrated some level of evidence via a randomized controlled trial or RCT. Click Therapeutics seems to do its own research, however, and it does not acquire or license these interventions, if I understand it correctly. Can you walk us through why a company might go either route and maybe mention a few of the benefits or the challenges for choosing either path? Yeah, thank you, Brian, and thanks for that question. I think it's an important question that people don't really fully appreciate or realize. And just for full transparency, I mean, Click does also look for and in like new technologies. I think that, that has to be part of our strategy 
But yes, it's true. We are discovery and research focused and are focused on innovating and creating our own treatments. I think many of which are based on what is currently used in, in kind of the real world, as they say, and simply digitizing it. And then many of which we have a full discovery effort, which is much more confidential that we don't talk about publicly on developing new ways to treat people that can only be administered digitally and, and studying those in kind of smaller type studies. I think ultimately our thesis was and is and, and perhaps always will be that the phone is really the modality that we're currently treating people with. And the phone is always on someone. The phone is a you know center of data collection and the interventions can be personalized based on those data, both from the entire patient population and from the individual patient. So when you look at what's been happening in this space, I think to your point, Brian, yeah, I mean, there's been other companies that have essentially you know, in license, what I would regard as, you know, pretty old academic technology, web technology, right? And filed FDA clearance based on those data. What you end up with is a program that was developed a very long time ago and designed specifically for patients to access via a desktop computer, right? And that's something that does not harness the you know, power of data and personalization and the mobile phone. And it generally results in an entirely kind of different type of intervention where we're a bit more focused on, on kind of bite-sized interventions as opposed to let's say, you know, long videos and so on. And I view what we're doing as probably more in tune with what the future of this space will look like. And that's programs that were designed to be prescribed by physicians and drive outcomes, specifically utilizing the mobile phone. And sure, it does take longer. It's a longer path to development. But ultimately, you end up, in my view, with an intervention that's more appropriate. So it's more of a kind of traditional biotech-like commercial type model where you can work with payers and we do on what the, let's say, pivotal trial endpoints will look like and understand our potential pricing and reimbursement pathways and integrate that understanding really into the studies and types of studies that we're running. So we prefer the method that we're really doing, and that's really discovering, developing, and commercializing proprietary digital treatments. But there's no right way, I think, to approach this space and, you know, different strokes for different folks. And, you know, I think ultimately we'll see what avenues are the most successful. It's interesting as I've been listening to you about in licensing, about, I'll say, portfolio management in developing from scratch and some additional modalities, even within the mobile space miniaturizing something from the web, but it's it's really a portfolio or, or a pipeline. And it's interesting how the development piece in some of the more pure PDTs is starting to mimic much more. And I think you started with this, you guys were looking at this as much more of a biotech company. But let's touch on, you've probably been asked this a million times already, the BI deal, because even some of the deals with digital therapeutics are starting to mimic some of the more traditional pharma biotech deals. So maybe you can touch for our listeners a little bit of the BI deal. 
Sure. So, you know, really under the term of the deal, and, you know, obviously I can't get too much into it other than what's public, but we'll be primarily responsible for research and development activities and we'll support Beringer Ingelheim as it undertakes worldwide commercialization. So under the term of that deal, which to your point, as publicly announced, is more structured like a biotech deal where there's an upfront payment and funding for R&D, as well as clinical, regulatory and commercial milestones that represent, you know, very significant total deal value. And then in addition to that, and hopefully what'll be the kind of best part of it from a revenue perspective will be the royalties based on annual sales of the program. And that's in hopes and, you know, my firm belief that it'll be a very successful program and partnership. And generally we're in this for the long term and to really address significant unmet needs and to create new medicines for a really underserved patient population. Fantastic. And finally, you know, we started with you and your story and how you got here. And I'd love to know what is your why? What makes you get up every morning aside from the alarm? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, to be frank, Eugene, I, I wake up at the same time every morning with or without an alarm. But <laughs> look, I, I am a really big believer in this space and in the somewhat narrow but important and potentially life-changing for so many people view that I really want to catalyze the industry and specifically for Click to Lead It, but an entire industry and catalyze change in the world of medicine where physicians have access and patients have access to software as treatments, right? If you look at the world we're in now and, you know, your average person goes or calls now a physician and, you know, is diagnosed with insomnia, for example, there's, you know, very limited options that a primary care physician has. I mean, I've been speaking to physicians for years who, you know, literally will prescribe Benadryl because they don't want to prescribe a Schedule Four drug, yet the American Academy of Sleep Medicine in their practice perimeters recommends behavioral therapy as the first line treatment. So it's really something where, you know, technology has advanced to the stage where we can essentially digitize behavioral treatment that has not historically been available to almost anyone, right? I mean, who do you know that's ever seen a sleep psychologist? And digitize that and address a very important unmet need. And I could go down our pipeline and really, you know, almost every therapeutic area and give a similar analogy to convey where these programs fit and how much they're really needed. So, you know, I get up in the morning to really help change the world of medicine for the better in which, you know, patients have more effective and efficient care providers are are able to treat their patients better. And ultimately, the other stakeholders, such as payers, benefit from lower overall costs and covering more effective treatments for their patients. So I think it's a real winning situation for everyone. And I'm really looking forward to a world that, you know, frankly, I think is around the corner, Eugene, where unlike gene therapy or cell therapy, I think, you know, in the very near future, most of us, if not all of us, will at minimum know somebody who has been successfully treated by a real digital therapeutic. 
So it's an important area and I'm very excited to be helping to grow this industry. Amazing. And on that note, thank you very much for making the time and look forward to seeing uh, more of your pipeline and the outcomes. Thank you, Eugene. Thanks so much for tuning into Digital Therapeutics Edition of Digital Health Today, a production of mission-based media. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to this podcast on your favorite podcast player so you're then automatically notified when we post our upcoming episodes where I speak with dozens of leaders and trailblazers who are forging the path for digital therapeutics. If you'd like to learn more about Your Coach Health or Brian Dolan's Exit and Outcomes, you can always find the links to this and more in the show notes for this episode. You can connect with me personally on Twitter at HealthEugene or follow my journey of writing my first book, Heart Pill to Swallow, at heartpilltoswallow.substack.com. I'm Eugene Borohovich, and catch you next time.